Ladies and gentlemen, it's with my pleasure that I welcome you back to Talking Numbers, our podcast for the accounting industry. My name is Paul Jance, just in case you have forgotten it. But Talking Numbers has been a series that I hope all of you have really enjoyed. You know, it's where I bring together some amazing guests from our accounting industry, share their stories, and more importantly, hope to provide a little bit of education to all of you and some learning mechanisms that you can take away. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting to Stan Corner from Business Automation Works, um, also known as Bohr. Stan, welcome to our show, Talking Numbers. Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me. Um, look, it's a great, it's a great pleasure and honour to, uh, to join you. Um, I love the concept of this sharing of information um, uh, for the betterment of everyone. It's an amazing thing I've found since I became involved in this particular industry, so the accounting industry, but just how collaborative the whole industry is. Um, and I don't find that to be present in uh, a great number of the industries I play in. So thank you for uh, having me today. My pleasure. And look, I, I agree with you, sort of some of the things that we've done this year in particular, and maybe we were forced to do them because of COVID, um, has been bringing that together. And I've worked with a lot of different accounting firms just to, to actually bring all that in a collaborative manner. So whether it be our Talking Numbers podcast or our Chewing the Accounting Fat show or <coughs> our virtual lunches that literally have just come off one of my virtual lunches, it's it's bringing, again, just sharing information and people have loved the fact that while we may all be Zoomed out, um, it is the fact that we can continue to share and, you know, learn, which is probably the most important. Mate, um, let me ask you, first of all, um, it's been a strange, old, very strange old calendar year. Um, how have you been personally and how's the business been? Oh, look, uh, it's certainly been challenging. It's been different. If anyone have said to me in uh, January that we'd have a worldwide pandemic and we'd all work from home for six months, I'd have probably asked to have them committed. Um, it's been really interesting. So from a personal perspective, um, I, I think um, it, there's been some absolutely amazing learning opportunities. I think probably if I take it right to a personal note, um, working from home for the better part of six months and having my children learning from home for the better part of six months, probably our greatest yes. concern is would we still be uh, a family at the end? But what we discovered is that um, I spent time with my kids doing things that would never be possible because, you know, um, I, I run a number of businesses, so I'm, I'm constantly travelling and I'm also constantly at work. So I think personally um, my relationship with my kids has grown dramatically. And I, I hear that time and time again from many people that I talk to. Yeah, look, that, that, that's a, such a, such a, you know, mate, and I, I agree hundred percent. I think one kudos to all the teachers out there at the end of the day, there's a, there's a reason why we have not chosen to be a teacher, but um, the ability to spend that additional quality time and with them, I, I think it was, I really enjoyed it to be honest with you. Look, so did I. And the other thing I've really enjoyed, um, one could have said that I was addicted to airports because um, I seem to spend a lot of time in airports, getting on planes, getting off yep. planes, et cetera. Yep. Um, yep. So I think if we look at that in a personal perspective related to business, what a lot of us have learned is while human interaction is like, it's critical. It's, it's just part of our makeup, who we are. There's some things that we would have jumped in a car, got on a plane or whatever to go and do where it's really not required. Um, if we go outside that business-wise, well, um, certainly challenges. One thing that I think we, we should all agree on is that 
it's changed the nature of business. Um, and this applies to the accounting uh, practices very much so. So um, in a lot of ways, very traditional businesses. And we've, we've all done things, <coughs> excuse me, the way that we've done them for a very long time. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way. But what happened in that week three of March is we we're all forced to reconsider the methodology in which we operate. And to the credit of many, and in fact, in my team, to the credit of my team and my people, um, they took to that with gusto, um, uh, cooperation, uh, collaboration, but openness to change. So we went from uh, about 35 team members spread across three businesses to showing up into the office every day and, and you know, starting the day with a coffee to everyone working remotely. And we did that within about 24 hours. So if we think from a business perspective, that has probably taught us all that change is nowhere near as difficult as we would have conceived. So there's nothing like that you've got to, to actually uh, create action. It's so true, isn't it? And I think that's the that's the great lesson, I suppose, that cut off all. There's a lot of lessons that come out of COVID. Um, and our, look, uh, hopefully it changes. You know, one of the great things I'm looking forward to, I know we're going off track a little bit here, but one of the great things I'm looking forward to is just that that continued change mechanism because it's, it's allowed people to stop and rethink and refocus on what's important. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a critical factor that sometimes, like you said before, in and out of the airports was a well, now you've worked out, hang on a minute, I don't really need to do that anymore because that was the norm and now this is the new norm and that's the great thing about it. Um, mate, given my background, and, and again, for those people that don't know, I ran a coaching and training company uh, commenced in 2004 and a lot of the, you know, it was a coaching and training company to the accounting industry. So I uh, worked with a lot of accounting firms in different countries and it's been fantastic. But one of the key things that I've always spoken about with a lot of the firms and those that I've coached may be listening to this, has been about structure, has been about process, and it's been about creating efficiencies. So one of the great things I'm going to really enjoy is chatting to you about what you've been able to do. Um, before we get into that, are you okay just to share a little bit about your story, a little bit about your background and how you came to be a part of now working with the accounting industry. Yeah, sure. Look, I'd love to. It's an interesting journey. Um, um, so our our solution for the accounting firms um, is is taken off um, with amazing speed. Now, some might suggest that's an overnight success, but um, it's probably been made over thirty years. So, um, my, <laughs> my my personal background is uh, country boy, country born, bred. Um, my family, uh, both my mum and dad, operated small businesses, different businesses. Um, the, so I was brought up in this environment of, of business, right? So, um, the, so over many years, in fact, 30 or so, I've been involved in predominantly small business. Um, you know, largest business had, uh, at one point, we had about 70 staff. So it's probably not that small. But what... Where the journey's really taken me is that um, what I learned a very long time ago is there's probably two key points to success. One is technology. Now, one could say that I'd say that because I play in the technology space, but that's not just selling technology, that is using technology. The other one is people, um, incredibly important to every business. Um, but the one thing that was probably missing in my early business career was this thing called process. So 
what I what I learned is that if if you can build processes uh, into a business, then what you deliver is a very consistent outcome. Now, one might suggest that's just an outcome for your client, but it's actually not. Um, I believe a good quality process allows you to deliver uh, positive outcomes to every stakeholder. So your client, certainly the business, mm -hmm. but the thing that I think a lot of people miss in developing this process is what it delivers to the team member. So the people are actually yeah. doing the do. Um, yes. So I think that's, that's the background. So let me explain how business automation works uh, came about. I'd mentioned that um, I'm, I'm involved in a number of businesses um, and about three or four years ago, well, I know, let me get back. So in this, in our biggest business, I've, been very focused on using technology and business processes, particularly yes. in our area of service delivery. So it's, it's about delivering a process that delivers these outcomes. So um, probably the area where I didn't focus enough with process on was in our admin team. Um, and that results in the story I'm about to share. So this is a real live occurrence. I'm sitting in my office one day um, and I had a question so being the person or fellow that I am, I stood up out of my office, walked out to um, the reception desk to talk to um, Meg, our receptionist. On arrival, um, this is what I, what I found. Now, I'm pretty certain anyone listening to this today will be able to recognise and associate this to their own business. So on approach, I could see that uh, Meg was on the phone. So I thought, oh, she won't take long. She'll pass that call on, so I'll just wait. So while I'm waiting, I'm standing and watching. And what I saw is that she's typing an email to one client while talking to yeah. another client. <laughs> right. So while we all sort of laugh, just as you did, um, and you go, why would you do that? Um, I, I think it's a reality, partly because yes. there's pressure yes. to deliver. Um, uh, yeah. For years, we've been told that multitasking is the new everything, right? So I patiently waited. And when Megs got off the phone, I, I said to her, hey, Megs, by the way, forgetting the question I had, um, I said, Meg, tell me what, what I just saw here was you're talking to one client while you're typing an email to another. You do know that the client that you're talking to on the phone, they knew you were not totally present with them. And that, I'm not sure that that's the, the five-star customer experience that we want to deliver. Anyway, she looked at me um, with that look, yep, as if to say, come on, Stan. <laughs> exactly. And here's what she said to me, Stan, if I don't multitask, I don't keep up with my work. So, um, you know, this is the only way we, we get stuff done here. Now, being um, a good listener, I listened. I recognised that uh, I had been put in my place. So I turned around and went back to my office. Um, sat down and I started thinking about it. And, and what struck me is that two things. The first one is the customer experience bothered me. But what bothered me more is I've got a team member that is saying to me, I'm overworked, I'm overstretched, and I'm struggling to deliver what you want me to do. So um, I thought about this a little bit and I, I really worked yeah. out that what we had to do is we had to redesign this so that uh, each team member could deliver that customer experience. What I really worked out is I needed to take away some of the mundane tasks, um, highly repeatable tasks 
that um, could be done um, some other way. I play in the technology space, so look towards technology. Um, I also knew that that wasn't just a simple answer. So what we applied, interestingly, was the same process that I applied in our service delivery. So it was looking about looking to what we actually want to really deliver and then looking at how we go about it. So we undertook this process and this process we called uh, eliminate, automate and outsource. Now, we'll probably talk, you'll ask me some more questions about that. But it, I was going to say, I was going to ask you about that because I've heard you talk about that. So yeah. So let me explain the outcome and then I'll talk about the process. Yeah. Good, so good. the outcome was day one, I've got my receptionist typing an email and talking to a client and telling me to go back to my office because I'm out of place putting pressure on her to do something, right? Because she's overworked. Um, it took three or four months to undertake this process. And within a month or so, this is what changed. I had the same person come to my door and ask me for five minutes. Um, now, as business owners, we always worry when we hear that. But this was one seriously joyous moment. Because what she said to me is, Stan, can you find more for me to do because I no longer have enough work? Mm. So um, I think light bulb moment. So now yes. what, what took place from here is a whole bunch of things, but that is effectively where business automation works was born. Interesting. Interesting. You just triggered something in me and I'm going to share with our listeners as well that um, um, oh, I'm trying to think of how, how old I was, but it was two, it was 1999. I commenced at a company. It was a fairly large company, $50 million business, 50 staff. Um, I went in there as their, as their GM. And one of the lessons I learned and funnily, funnily enough, one of the things I've just come off uh, a virtual lunch where one of the things that the, the speaker was talking about, I was interviewing him and he was saying uh, mentors and how important mentors are and leaders are. And one of the great things that I've picked <clears> up, and that's why I want to share this with you, because it resonates so much with what you just said then. And that is one of the key things that I used to make sure the first hour of my calendar every single day was to lead or manage, depending whether you're a leader or a manager, and they're two different roles, is to lead by walking around. Yeah. Okay, and you don't get to do, for those of you that are listening, you don't get to do and listen to what Stan just said unless you actually do that. And you are just just in the moment, you are present. He made a very key, key point there. You're, you're present and you're actually walking around and listening to what's going on and you're seeing what's going on. Rather than sitting in your office and being quite reactive to processes, you can actually be proactive mm -hmm. by going, Hmm, I just picked up something there that it may not be in line with our five-star service, but let me delve a little bit deeper into why that's taking place. Correct. And then you can proactively make a change to it. And one of the things that my team members used to love every, and there's a team of 50. Sometimes it used to take me half a day. I'd walk around with a cup of coffee that would turn into maybe three cups of coffee and ask them how they are. More importantly, I'm observing. I'm looking around at what else is going on. And the amount of things that you can then take back and go, right, this is management people. This is leadership. So for those of you that are in those leadership, management, ownership type of roles, this is what you need to start doing if you're not doing it because that's observing at the same time. 
So sorry, mate, you were about to say something. Absolutely. I think that's incredibly important. It's being, I call that just being part of the team. But how many people don't do it? Correct. So, so I think, um, let me explain how we then went through this process, right? Because eliminate, automate, outsource is, is a nice little statement. So, and your, your comment about being part of this and my comment about being part of the team is really important. So what we did as a team, um, we reviewed all of the things. Now we, you might call them tasks, processes, functions um, that we undertook or were undertaking in the admin team. Now, the, pro, the reason for doing this is we wanted to understand what we're doing. Now, it wasn't immediately to eliminate. It was to actually, first of all, understand. What we were looking for <coughs> was looking at each task and doing an evaluation. Does this task or function add value? Does it add value to the uh, customer, to the business, or the team member? Now, what we actually did is any of the processes we found was a no, no, and no, we just immediately eliminated it. Now, one might think, well, there wouldn't be too many. I've got to tell you, I'm pretty process driven. Uh, I run a small business and I'm pretty much all over it. I was shocked and horrid at some of the things that I found that we were doing, we've done for years, and they didn't add any value to anyone. So yeah. um, we even actually found a couple of things that two team members from two parts of the admin team were producing the same data in different reports that were both being held and never looked at. Crazy, right? Interesting. So, Interesting. so I think, um, so first of all, and the process of elimination, that review then elimination is actually a really simple thing. It's about creating time to focus on automating those tasks that will gain more time. So you, you could jump right to the end and go, let's outsource everything. My team's got plenty of time. But what we yeah. undertook was eliminate, which, which eliminated things we didn't need to do that gave me and my team time to take the next step in the process, which was automate. So yes. um, one of the keys about automation is if you do a half job of it, it will fail. So we'd eliminate a bunch of tasks, create amount of time. We then reviewed the tasks that we'd already reviewed and said, which one of these can we, which, which of these tasks can be automated and which can be automated easily. So we went through over a month or so and automated two or three um, high touch, high, t- high time consuming tasks and we got that automated. So the interesting thing is while I originally said eliminate, automate, outsource, no surprise, we didn't order, we didn't outsource anything because we didn't need to. Wow. There's a couple of big, big wow moments going through my head because it, it does so much bring me back to my coaching days and working through accounting firms. And again, if whether you're a, a graduate listening to this or whether you're a partner listening to this, um, you've got the ability. One of the things that I loved in particular about what I did when I ran that company, GPL, was you've got the ability to work in two six-month blocks and we're coming up to that right now. So at the start of a new calendar year, you've got the ability to reflect and change some of the processes that could be. And and Stan mentioned it right then. He said, (coughs) high touch, high time. Now, 
this is an industry, whether it's the legal industry or the accounting industry, we still work on time. Okay, there's still while while we may even think about well we we've 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 gone to the process of fixed fees. I'll guarantee you everyone still has a charge out rate. So therefore, it's time based, Correct. and that judges whether or not sometimes if it's internally you may make a profit on a job or you may make mm -hmm. a loss on a job. So we're still measuring time as an internal process, even if you're not charging it out as an external process. Um, Think about that as you continue to do that. So what Stan spoke about there and the little nuggets, the little golden nuggets that I always talk about is exactly that. So rewind this back, have a listen to that again and say, how can I bring that into my process and start assessing and bringing my team members into working out what is maybe what's high touch and what's high time and how do we automate it? Because that's the great thing about what we've got now. Tech has allowed us to do that as well. Oh, absolutely. So a couple of points there. I think the first one is, Make sure you, if you're the manager, make sure you genuinely, and I'm going to say that again, genuinely involve your team, not just in the change process, but the discovery process. They will know a lot of things that you simply don't. Absolutely paramount. Yeah. That is, that is the, the people that are involved in doing it must be involved yeah. in the process of, of, of calling it, making it more efficient. And then secondly, Ensure that if you implement a change, you, um, you it's documented. And then secondly, ensure that the management are resolute that this is the change that we are making. Um, you know, culture does not start at the bottom of the organisation. Yes. Culture starts at the top and flows its way. Very true. Very true. Now, mate, some of the things, again, that you're, you're talking about here, and this is why, you know, I mentioned this at the start as well, that I, I knew I was going to enjoy this, as you can tell. I'm getting a little bit excited in this because it, I, I just love it. Um, now, Stan, one of the great things that I know when I was running the coaching company, GPL, um, a lot of the principles we used to talk about were, let's call it manufacturing principles. And I used to speak about this on stage around how how good firms are at getting a job in, getting a job out and getting paid for it will determine how successful they are. Um, how, how different um, are the processes in other industries that you've worked in as well? Um, well? That's a sensational question. I think the answer to that would commence with this comment that while we all individually believe our businesses are very, very unique and our industry is unique compared to any other, um, Essentially, they're all the same. Um, there's nuances, but really um, all strikingly similar. And look, I love this comment back to manufacturing. I think in um, you know the business that I mentioned, um, we had highly highly automated, and we'd added a lot of process into our service delivery. And that service delivery, upon reflection, I might not have known this as we were doing it, but um, we, we implemented this thing called a total quality call. So this is a service engineer going out to service a piece of hardware. Um, and prior to this process, they did whatever they did. So we implemented this total quality call and it was a process with which they serviced this piece of hardware. They follow these processes, they audit the process. And in fact, um, supervisors then go audit that they're doing the process. Now, that's the same as a manufacturing plant. Um, you, if you look at a manufacturing plant, raw goods come in at the start, um, finished good go, finished goods go out at the end, and all those incremental steps in between 
are what turn raw into finished. Um, without a process, if everyone was just doing whatever they did, um, you'd end up with um, a car at the end of the line that only had one wheel. And, you know, the spare wheel is actually bolted as a steering wheel and the seats would be facing backwards, right? So I, I think in answer to the question, it is, there's not that much difference between building something and yes. completing a process in the accounting industry. Well summed up. And I think you're, 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 you're spot on the money. And again, um, the ability for people, that's what's great about these podcasts because it's, it's, I love the educational side. You can probably gather in my voice again that mm. um, I, I have a passion for it. And it's something that every single business I've been involved in is all very system and process driven and probably if anything that, and to all of our listeners, if you're going to do system and process as well, one of the things that I'd recommend as well is called governance. So I did a podcast um, probably about uh, a couple of months ago, um, uh, you know, Mike McHenry that runs Seamless also spoke about the importance of governance, which is to check the systems and processes working. Correct. So it's not just a matter of putting the system and process and forgetting about it and going, oh, well, no, well, I've got that now. It is about making sure that you put us uh, again, the governance side into it to make sure it's working and tweaking. So um, that was one of the things we used to do quite a lot and we still do now every quarter. We, we check it. We make sure it's working and we make sure what needs to be tweaked. As I yeah. I use it, the old scenario of just getting out your screwdriver and just tweaking it that little bit just to tighten it up. Yeah, you know, it's simple. Absolutely. You know? so, so one of the terms we use internally at my business is that you build a process and you write, you audit that process, you manage it and you tweak it. But I think a really important point to understand that any process that has got human involvement will drift. We're people. Mm -hmm. yes. So we call it the unofficial drift from the process. So if, if the process is fairly well aligned and we've got it humming along and everyone's using that process and it's delivering the outcomes, over time, what you'll note, and this is a hindsight view, you'll note that um, the, the process will drift just a little bit, maybe 1% will have very little impact on the outcomes. 2%, probably not much impact either. But over time, if, you aren't if you're not continually auditing and governance, as you call it, what will happen is you'll get 10% away from the process and all of a sudden you'll see this significant change in the deliverable outcome. And when you look back, that had been drifting away from that outcome for some time, but it wasn't significant enough for you to see. So the point that you raise, I talk about my TQC, is we audit that process. It's not, it's not to yell at someone who hasn't done the job right. There's two factors here. The first one is ensure that we are following the process. But I think your point that you're really making is ensure that the process continues to deliver the outcome that is desired. And if it's not, then tweak the process. Yes. Brilliant. Brilliant. And, and, you know, that's, again, this is great because it's a, it's a great little, as you're saying all of that, um, and we're talking about outcomes here. Um, what I want to talk about now is just quickly chat about some of the firms you're working with that's obviously implemented this and the success they're having to get an outcome that they're after. Um, what are some of the results? I suppose I tend to go into the cause and effect um, what's the effect? So what's the numbers um, that you can share with some of the firms that have got this right? Yeah. So look, I, I think um, 
talking about the automation solution we have for, for accounting firms, right? Um, and this is not a pitch for the product, but this is the result. So um, our, our call out in marketing is that you reduce the amount of time you spend on this particular high re highly repetitive process by up to 90%. Now, that's a pretty big claim. Um, it's proving Absolutely. to be true, but the, I don't think that's the real outcome. I think the real outcome is the impact that this has on clients and the team members that do the work. So um, for instance, let's talk about the clients. This automation delivers consistency. So it delivers a consistent outcome to the clients that is dependable, reliable, and known. So I think that's incredibly important. It's also mm -hmm. sped up the um, timeline of communication between the ATO producing a document for an accounting practice, the, doc, the accounting practice getting it and doing whatever they do, that could be yes. 10, 10, 14, 15 days. If we're talking about, for instance, a debt that's due to the tax office, by the time you take into account the, um, the mail arriving to the practice, followed up by the practice doing their thing, the ATO allows 14 days for payment. Often yes. by the time this notice for payment got to the client, the 14 days had passed. Well, a penalty's already been issued. <laughs> Correct. Now, you might go, well, that's all fixable. But I think the biggest key to this is what that resulted in is the client ringing the practice and saying, what in the hell are you doing? Yes. Now, so if we look at that, the actual outcome, cause and effect, the effect previously was an unhappy client that risks the very important client relationship. Yes. Yep. So cause and effect. Um, if we look internal of the team, I think one of the things that this has delivered, and I've seen this in my business where we've automated various processes, is that it allows the team member that is doing this highly repetitive, probably mind-numbing task to actually take on more meaningful work. So Interesting. It's, it's really then, if you look at that, this is about the, um, the satisfaction level or satisfaction, job satisfaction of a team member. And we all know how hard is it to find good people and it's even harder to keep them. So, you know, getting good people to do highly repetitive tasks that is almost menial work just doesn't make sense in today's world. If you apply that to the Gen Ys, um, arriving as a really big, strong part of the workforce today. Us, um, I'll leave out my generational because it will show my age, but, but anyone who's not a Gen Y or a Gen X knows that these new workforce coming through, they're not going to put up with that. They're not going to do nah, these junior right. tasks. They're not interested. Yeah. So yep. if you look at that, then it's, it's a team member satisfaction. Let's take it one step further and talk about the cause and effect. Because um, we've reduced some admin time, yes. We've reduced the time that we all spend, so including senior partners, answering questions that should never arisen from a client. Like, why in the hell have I got a penalty because you didn't get yes. me the information quick enough? Um, yes. Then you look at the impact of the admin team, the work that they can take on, that really um, today might be being undertaken by a partner or senior accountant that doesn't need to be done at that level of the practice. So 
what we're doing is we're creating time from the top of the, the, the organization through to the bottom, right through to the client. So that partner account might choose to use that time um, generating more fees. They might choose to, uh, to spend that time playing golf. Um, now, you could, you could be listening to this and thinking, well, Stan, that only really applies to a really large practice. But I'm going to share um, a, a comment that came from a sole practitioner, um, actually a single mum, right? So works from home downstairs, kids go to school. Here's what she said to me after she implemented our automation process. Is Stan, I now spend my Sunday mornings with my children instead of processing ATO documents for my clients. Interesting. It's, you know, that, that, is, a, um, that is a really significant personal statement. Um, yep. So it, what, the point I'm really making here is this doesn't just apply to big business, big firms, big practices. No, that's right. It applies that's to right. all. Yeah, and I think if you if you, you took that example again, um, you know, we're going to get to a lesson that you can share, whether it be a good piece of advice or bad piece of advice soon. But the, again, the other little nugget that comes out of that is just treat every single client, whether they're a they're a two hundred dollar client or the twenty thousand dollar client, they still want to be treated exactly the same. It's right. the it's the emotional feeling that that you provide them and being proactive in that stage where. You're right. By the time the letter comes through, it gets processed. Again, penalty applied. Like you said, yeah, they can easily, a team member could call the ATO. They'll spend probably an hour on the phone trying to get the penalty <laughs> yeah. um, reversed. Think about the time aspect. Yeah. And this is a way that you, again, you don't have to deal with it because it's a reactive process. You get a happier client because it's dealt with proactively. And again, think about the system and the automation that comes with that. Um, and therefore, you've got other capacity that, that can be deployed to another area, which is a higher chargeable area. Mm. So I think that's the great lesson that I take out of that, whether you're in accounting business or any other type mm. of business. But obviously, this is aimed at accounting business. You can, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of lessons right there. Um, mate, just in, just in finalising, this is great. You know, I've really enjoyed this. So thank you. Um, for our listeners, what's a piece of advice that you can leave them with, uh, whether it be good or bad that you know, you've come across in your working experience um yeah look there's probably a bunch um I, I think the first one is um this that um almost any decision is better than no decision now what do i mean by that so um often with if as a as a business or practice or person it doesn't really matter you can apply this to every aspect of our life you know we're looking at something that we we sort of know needs to change it may not be very efficient or it doesn't work doesn't deliver whatever it may be but it looks daunting it looks like this is going to be a real pain um my advice is take one single step so you don't have to climb mount everest um in one day you don't climb it in one step. What you do is you take one single step and that will create momentum and change and then so on and so on. So um, a wise, a wise uh, uh, a businessman who is in fact one of my personal mentors, so business mentors, said to me recently in a call, Stan, if you're not moving forward, you're not really standing still, you are actually moving backwards. How good's that? Yeah, and um, very, very, very true. You know, I, 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 
very hard to disagree with that when you think about, you know, again, a lot of people. And I think, again, there's, I think it's because sometimes, um, and procrastination is a good word sometimes, where you sort of, because people don't know what to do, they do nothing. Mm. But you know what? You're still better off doing something Correct. and then working out what's worked and what hasn't worked, yeah. going back and adjusting the process or the system. At least you've done something as opposed to, sitting on your butt for the last 10 months and done nothing because you're right you will go backwards it's a bit like it's a bit like your savings in the bank at the moment if it's in the bank you yeah. are going backwards right. you know and um, no one wants to be with with the cost of living increasing you don't want your savings going no backwards. i think we started this call right talking about you know how, how did COVID affect us i think you know listening to what you've just said if you're listening to this podcast today and you're thinking wow, you know, they're sort of right. I do need to consider some change, but boy, boy, it might be hard. Take a breath. Think about the changes that you undertook in week three of March because of a global pandemic, how quickly you undertook those changes, the, um, the positive outcomes that it delivered, and in reality, how simple it was to get that change to happen and get your team to actually get on board in that change. If we take one thing out of COVID, change is not that difficult. So true. What a great way to wrap up. Um, Stan, thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. Um, again, to all of our listeners, hopefully there's not just one or two or three things. There was probably 10 different things that you could easily take away. Um, again, the podcast, beautifully, if you're listening to it, go back, have another listen to it. I love the fact that whether it's watching a movie for the second time or the third time, and some of them I've watched 10 times and go, how come I didn't hear that or see that the first time around? You've got the ability to go back and do that and say, how can I make a little bit of a change for the 2021 calendar year that maybe I didn't take place in 2020? And um, 2020 has been a bitch of a year, and I'm, I'm sure we're all looking forward to moving into a, yeah. a new perspective. So, mate, thank you very much. You know, I get the easy part of asking all the questions, just having the great sort of conversations, but this has been um, one that I've really, really enjoyed. So thanks for joining us. Thank you, Paul. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to have a chat. As you may have worked out, I don't mind having a bit of a chin wag. Thank, <laughs> thanks so much <laughs> yeah, for having good. me on. My pleasure. Thanks, Thanks.